Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As you know, we've started our series for the second time around on biblical forgiveness. Uh, last week we taught lesson one on biblical forgiveness. Um, this week we will teach lesson two. And a lot of what we talked about last week, we, we dealt a lot with uh, understanding that offenses will happen. Everybody know that offenses will happen? But the real deal is, how do we handle them? How do we handle the offenses when they happen? Because the scripture says uh, in Matthew 18 and 7, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must need be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. So we have to understand that we live in a world where offenses is going to come. And more often the offense is going to come by someone you know. People that you don't really know, they don't really bother you much. Ah, whatever. But people that you know, whatever they do will bother you just a little bit more. And so offenses will come as long as you're in this flesh and you're living in this world. The question is, how do you handle those offenses when they come? Whether it's you doing something offensive to someone or someone doing something offensive to you, it is going to happen as you probably can tell me, it has already happened many a times. How we deal with it, how we handle it, is going to determine if we go to heaven. Remember, there are some things I teach, and it's not a heaven and hell issue, but it is uh, a principle that will make your life better. But there are some things I teach, it not only will make your life better, but it's a heaven and hell issue, meaning if you don't get it right, you won't make it. So there are some things in this book that if you don't get it right, you won't make it. Forgiveness is one of those things that if you don't get it right, you won't make it. If we study about prophecy and we don't get prophecy right, that has nothing to do with whether we go to heaven or not. If we're off on some dates, if none of that matters. It just, that's what it what it is. But if we talk about biblical forgiveness and we don't know how to apply biblical forgiveness and offenses in our life, we can miss eternal life. So that's what's important. And, and when you're hearing the word of God preach, you listen, you, you try to take in everything. But always remember, when I start to get into the areas that are heaven and hell issue, you need to pay close attention. Because it means if I don't do what he's saying, my salvation could be at stake. So biblical forgiveness is an eternal issue. And so we must make sure that we understand it. Offenses will come. And so how we deal with it is going to determine uh, what happens to us, right? Don't forget the reason for this class is when you or one of the reasons, two of the reasons for this class. I have many more reasons for this class. Um, one of two of the reasons I can mention now is when you offend someone, you will know how to take care of it. When someone offends you, you will know how to take care of it as well. Right. And remember what we said, the Bible is, is not written to tell everyone else what their responsibility is to me. The Bible is not written to tell everyone else what their responsibility is to me. But it is written to tell me what my responsibility is to everyone else. 
if we will ever get that, boy, that would be incredible. So instead of worrying about what everyone is doing or not doing, you, you can't see that because you're reading the Bible from your viewpoint saying, this is what I need to do. And then we also say, the Bible doesn't tell me what everyone else should do, but it does tell me what I should do. So that's some of the things that we discussed last week in Biblical Forgiveness Lesson 1. And so now let's get into Biblical Forgiveness Lesson 2. And we'll start out in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 14. The word of the Lord says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, listen to this carefully. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Hmm. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer had eternal life abiding in him. So you don't have to actually shoot him, stab him, whatever you got to do to kill him. Just hate him. And God says, murderer. Verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, that's a good way to end those texts of scripture. What the Bible is telling us is, our God, our Savior, laid down his life for us. He called us friend. He called us his children. Right? And so he's telling us if he laid down his life for us, then we must lay down our life for each other. So what it comes down to is there is no excuse that we can ever build in to say, well, I don't know if I should have to do that or why should I do that? And All we have to do is go back to the text where Jesus says, I lay down my life for you all. You all should lay down your life for each other. Love for fellow believers proves that a believer has passed from the realm of death to eternal life. So when when we love one another, we're in a good place. It's telling us that we are no longer living in darkness, living in sin. It means that we are living in the light. And so when we love one another, now, of course, we all know love is not just the words that you speak. As a matter of fact, the words that you speak is so far less compared to what you do when we talk about love. Right. But you still want to speak it because the Bible says God so loved and then he did. So I got to tell you that I love you and then I got to show you that I love you. Right. You got to tell your sister or your brother that you love them and then you got to show them that you love them. Don't just tell them that you love them and never show them. Christian, Christians experience the transition from death to life at the time of regeneration, meaning being born again. The experience obtaining agape love through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So when you receive the Holy Ghost, so a lot of times because of our experiences in life, it's hard for us to do what God is asking us to do. It's okay. But that's why he gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the day you say, well, he says, hold on. I didn't leave you comfortless. I didn't leave you helpless. I gave you my spirit to help you with whatever you need. So whatever you think you're not good at, whatever you think was just not your thing, 
I've equipped you that it could become your thing if you really want to obey me. Uh-huh. And so the Bible says, for the love of God has shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So the world's love and God's love is two different things. But when you get the Holy Ghost dwelling in you, then you can live and love people the way God says you should, which is that agape love, that unconditional love, that sacrificial love that make you lay down your life for a friend or your brethren. Listen to this. Balance in our walk with God is very important. Anyone that gets too far to the left or too far to the right is in danger of going off the edge. I've seen it where Christian people go too far to the right. And I've seen it where Christian people go too far to the left. I'll give you an example. Let me deal with the too far to the left. Too far to the left, you feel like that's not necessary, that's not necessary. So what the preacher is teaching from the Bible, you're saying that's not necessary. I don't have to do that. I don't see why that's important. That means you're going too far to the left. Because now you're determined that I don't need to do this. That's not important. That's not significant. Now you're deciding that you'll do what you want. And always remember, if you got into a church and the church was able to help you, Know who Jesus is. Don't you underestimate what God can use that man or woman to do to keep you going. Don't 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 underestimate that. So if God used them to help you get salvation and they're telling you something, it, it, you shouldn't feel like, well, that's not important. Or that's, no, just like he was able to tell you, she was able to tell you how to be born again and get you saved and that there's one God. They're capable of telling you more things because God is the one working through them. So it's important to know that. Going too far to the left is you determine what you think is important and what's not important. So some things, you know, like easy stuff like, you know, determine I'll just make it to church, you know, once a month or twice a month. Or, you know, um, I don't have to dress a certain way or whatever the case may be. I can just live how I want. You're too far to the left. Then you got the too far to the right. And the too far to the right is the one that gets so much in the Bible that they're going around telling everybody. That ain't what the words say. What the words say. And they challenge everybody about the word. They study so hard that they know the word. And the Bible says, the letter killeth, but the spirit give life. You know what that means? Whenever you're ministering to anybody, whatever you're saying to anybody, it should be by his word and by his spirit. If you start telling people what, by the letter of the law, the same judgment you put out, same judgment you will get back by the letter of the law. So you got to be careful that you don't be go too far to the right and too far to the left. God wants us to be balanced. The same way in our relationship with the Lord. Anyone that gets too far to the left or the right is in danger. Why? Because balance is important to God. He wants things to be in balance. In fact, it is so important to God that this is what it says in Revelation. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. Of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's what the Bible says. Of the lamb slain. From the foundation of the world. Do you know what that really means? That the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world? I'm glad you asked what it meant. 
it means the sacrifice was already in place before the offense had happened. So what it means is when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God already had the sacrifice prepared. He didn't wait till they sinned and say, oh, um, they just sinned. I have to figure something out here. That's not what he did. The lamb was slain before the foundation. So he already had everything in place, how he would minister and help us in order to save us. Before things got out of balance, the first sin, God already had a plan in place that would bring balance and order back to creation. So the first sin, when Adam sinned, things were taken out of balance. And so we got to understand that balance is important. Balance is important. Somebody say balance is important. When we offend someone or someone offends us, there is an imbalance. When we offend someone or someone offends us, there's an imbalance that just occurred. And that imbalance needs to be taken care of. Offenses creates imbalance. When you do somebody wrong, it creates an imbalance. When someone does you wrong, it creates an imbalance. Offenses create an imbalance. Let me get a little scientific on you. Do you know why we have earthquakes and volcanoes today? Because the earth, as it spins on its axis, has just a slight wobble. It's not spinning perfectly. The earth is not spinning perfectly. Not when God first created it. It's not spinning perfectly. It's just a little out of balance, and that creates pressure of elements on the earth that builds up until it explodes and causes there to be earthquakes and volcanoes. So when we start sinning and we start doing wrong, we cause our world to become imbalanced. And so even though... God is bringing some things back in balance. We're still not completely uh, balanced. So the earth is spinning on its axis and it's not completely balanced. It still has a little wobble there. All because of our sins. All because of all of what we've done wrong. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. In Romans 8.22 For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So all of creation is groaning, is what the Bible says, because of all the wrong that is transpiring in the earth. One day God will bring everything back into proper balance again. Oh yeah. When there is an, when there's an offense, an imbalance occurs and needs to be brought back into balance. So let us look of some of the, let's let's look at some of the things. We try to do to bring things back into balance. So when things happen, us nice Christians, we try to bring things into balance, right? So as Christians, we try to bring things into balance. So here are some things that we try to do when someone offends us or, you know, or we offend someone. Alternatives for forgiveness. So instead of us forgiving someone, or someone forgiving us, 
we come up with alternatives. So here, that's what we've been dealing with for a long time. So instead of people doing what needs to be done, that when you offend someone and, and you know you offend someone, instead of asking for forgiveness and getting it right so God can bring things back in balance, we start practicing some other alternatives because somehow we have this hard time with forgiving people. So what we do is we try to come up with an alternative. But just notice, alternatives do not take care of what's supposed to be done. You cannot come up with any alternative that will take the place of what God says need to be done. So just understand this. When God says something needs to be done, there are no other alternative. You're telling me I can't be saved by just confessing with my mouth and believing with my heart? That's your alternative. God didn't tell you that. God says you must be born again. Your alternative is, can I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart? Well, what if I'm, you know, I'm sick and I'm on the hospital bed and I'm dying? Can I just confess? That's your alternative. God said you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. So those are some things, you know. Then we get the scripture that says, be holy as I am holy. And then we start saying, well, um, you don't have to do this to say you're holy. That's your alternative. God says be holy. And holy means separated. Holy means that you're sanctified. Holy means that you're not contaminated with bad, evil, ungodliness. So there are, there are no alternatives to what God says. So when God says it, you might as well just, if you can't do it, spirit of the living God that dwells in me, this is not something I'm comfortable doing. I need your help. It's okay to pray like that. Because because our sinful ways is it just have a hold on us. And so when we come to the truth of what God is asking us, a lot of times it seems very difficult. And what we have to do is ask God to help us and give us the strength to overcome it. So we can do what God needs us to do. Why do people try to avoid forgiving? Forgiveness is costly. That's why we try to avoid it. Forgiveness is costly. Think of the cross of Calvary. That was costly. The natural mind thinks that there must be a cheaper way to bring balance other than forgiveness. But there is not. There is not. So here is the first thing that we will try to do as an alternative to go through the whole process of forgiveness. First thing, we try to do restitution. Restitution or restoration to the former or original state. The restoration of property rights previously taken away. Reparation made by giving an equivalent or compensation for lost damage or injured cause. So what we try to do when we don't want to forgive, we try to compensate people some kind of way that we think is good. So, 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 so I offend you, and instead of coming to you and asking forgiveness, the next day I see you, I say, hey, Stace, how you doing? And then I try to give you $20. I'm, I'm trying to be your friend. I'm trying to do some kind of restitution. I'm trying to make up. It's not making up, because, because this is a godly thing. Remember I told you, this is a heaven and earth, a heaven and hell thing that I'm talking about here tonight. So it's a godly thing. So you can't do anything any other alternative to try to make this right. If you have offended someone, the word of the Lord says that you have to forgive and they need to forgive as well. So we can't give anything an alternative to try to 
get things back in order. It doesn't work. Acts chapter 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 20, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God had spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You know why I read that scripture? Let's see if you caught it. Verse 21. Whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God had spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. Basically, what the scripture is telling us is only God can restore things. Until he comes and get involved, can't be restored. Only God can restore things. So all that work we're trying to do to give restitution, to make things right, we can't, we, we can't do it. God is smiling and saying, no, son, daughter, that doesn't right. That doesn't, that, that's, that's not right. That's not going to work. You have to do what I tell you. Because only when I'm in the midst of things can it be restored. Only when I'm working can restoration, restitution take place. If you're doing it, you can't do it. Restoration to, restoration to the original state, which demands that all effects of the event that changed the original state be eliminated so that all things are as they would have been had the change never taken place. So what this is saying is, in order for restitution or restoration to take place, everything has to go back to what it was like it never happened. Who can do that? Nobody can do that. Only God can do that. Because he's the creator of everything. He, he was the one that put everything in, in order in the first place. So the bottom line is, we can't do anything to make up for forgiveness. And so restitution don't work. Restitution eliminates all effects of the change. Just like it never happened. This requires changing the past. Only God could change the past. But there is no scriptural, textual evidence that he will do so. By definition, this measure of restitution is impossible for created beings to accomplish. We can't accomplish restitution. As a matter of fact, here is, some, here is how heavy restitution is. When Jesus got crucified, what did Thomas say? Show me the nail scar hands. So that never got restored. His nail-scarred hands never got restored. It got healed, never got restored. So we have to start thinking about that, that only God can restore. And if he chooses not to restore, then it's not restored. So we can't come with alternatives as opposed to forgiving someone or asking for forgiveness. When men realize such restitution is impossible, they will settle for restoration of balance that satisfies their expectation. So what happens is we realize restitution is not possible. So we still try it, but we try to get it done through our own expectation. What is going to satisfy us? What is going to satisfy us? Um, anybody remember? Let me say this first before I, I bring that to your attention. Um, 
restitution is impossible, they, you know, because we can't do it, right? Uh, they demand that the offender, restitution demand that the offender restore things to that balance of their expectations. Not what makes you feel good, but what makes them feel good. So when you offend someone, they determine what you need to give them because that's what makes them feel good. And so they're going to keep on asking you to give them, give them, give them until they feel good. This is accomplished by the offender or the person that did the wrong making payment in full with interest and extra compensation for the damage done by his offense. You'll see where we're going with this. The, equa- the equation is payment. This is, this is restitution. Our court system used this even now. The equation is payment in full plus interest plus extra compensation equal restitution. So that's what we try to do instead of forgiving someone. So when someone, when we finally realize that we need to get right, we feel convicted, we feel ashamed, whatever. We still don't go with the forgiveness thing. We go with, well, maybe I can just, you know, perform a little restitution. And so we'll give them something that we think is just as equal to what we did to them, whatever hurt we inflicted them. Then we put a little interest on it. Then we give a little extra compensation on that. All right. Do you remember the woman that's got coffee spilled on her in McDonald's years ago? Okay. The settlement was for $3 million. Yes. So here's what happened. She spilled the coffee and she said she will, she offered them a settlement. She got an attorney and offered them a settlement for $20,000. McDonald's said, nope, $800. A judge that was overseeing the case says restitution. I'm going to make sure you get your money back, some interest, some pain and suffering, some extra. They gave her $3 million in settlement. That's what's practiced in our court system today. So that satisfied her. It didn't bring nothing back in balance. It just satisfied us. And that's what we got to be careful of as we begin to go down this path of salvation. That even if someone, uh, you think you can just go to someone and, 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 and try to give them something and try to be nice to them. God is not accepting that. God is expecting for us to go and ask for forgiveness, not go and try to buy them off, not go and try to give them some compensation for them to feel good. And then sometimes the mind game gets going. The person knows you're trying to make up. And so they say, mm, all right, watch this. She's trying to make up. So she's going to bring me $20 a day. Next week, I'm going to ask her for 30. The following week, I'm going to ask her if she can take me to the store. The following week, I'll ask her if she can, you know, help me with my light bill. When is it going to stop? Because the person that you offended is steady trying to get as much as they can from you until they're satisfied. So restitution never work. No sense of trying it. No sense of trying it. Any questions? Well, we'll, you can answer questions at the end. So let me keep going here so we can get to the end. Unfortunately, it is the one offended 
who judges what interest rate is acceptable and how much the extra compensation must be. Any offense seems greater to the one offended than it does to the offender. So if you offend someone and you're going to agree for some kind of restitution, no matter what you think is good, that other person will never be satisfied with that because they are, were the one that got hurt. They always want more than what you think you should give them. So restitution don't work. What then is restitution in divine realm? It is God putting all things to rights in accord with the original rules of his creation. It is judgment by God and re, uh, reaping by men. Thus restitution is nearly always, if not always, impossible in human relationship. So you can't go with restitution. It will never work. People will always try to take advantage of you. They will always want more. No matter what you gave them, thinking that you can make up for it, it just would never work. So you can't try to settle an, an offensive situation by trying to give restitution. It won't work. No. So if I can't have restitution, then I will do the next best thing. I will get even with them. If they won't make it right with me, I will make it right for myself. That's called retaliation. So because we can't settle it by restitution, because we don't want to be taken advantage of, guess what? Anger now. Now I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to do you in. Retaliation. What is retaliation? To pay or to repay, I should say, as a wrong or injured with the like. So to return like for like is retaliation, especially to do evil in return for evil. Retaliation is the innocent. Listen to this. I love this definition. Retaliation is the innocent lowering himself to the level of the guilt to restore some semblance of balance that is more or less acceptable to him. So in case you missed it. Here is where to go when it comes down to um, retaliation. You do something to me, Bob. If you did something to me and you're supposed to be a Christian, right away, you're not in a good place. So for me to retaliate, I'm becoming just like you. Or probably worse. Because maybe you act out of your emotion. Me, I should be able to see clearly that that's what's going on. And so for me to retaliate, I'm lowering my standards to deal with you. And we don't realize anytime someone offend us and we want to retaliate, you lowered yourself. Oh, you're quiet on me on that. Uh, the Lord said that. I didn't say that. And how can we say that? Romans chapter 12. Dearly beloved, verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So don't get quiet on me. I'm, I'm not making you mad by what I'm saying. I'm just saying the word of God. And the word of God says we can't retaliate. If someone does something to you, you got to let the Lord take care of it. <laughs> You, you can't go handle it yourself. No, no restitution and no retaliation. You can't go handle it yourself. The only thing that work is forgiveness. 
So if you're going to go to that person, you're going to them in a state of forgiveness, not a state of, oh, I'll show you. And you got to always remember this. What I like to say, I like to say it this way. I'm, it's probably not biblically correct, but I know what I'm saying. I'll try to explain to you as best as possible. Your spirit will always confirm what your position is. A lot of times we think that we fool people, but because people just don't even want to deal, they just keep on going and say, you think you fooled me? I can see what kind of attitude you came to me with. You're saying the words, but they don't mean anything. People know that because here's what I've discovered. I don't, I don't chalk this up to no spiritual thing because I just experienced it over the years. So here's what I've discovered over the years. And I smile sometimes. It goes for preacher and everybody else. I could never preach to you effectively if I'm preaching to you something I don't do. I'm telling you, somehow you won't get it. You won't receive it. I don't know how that works. But if I try to get something across to you that I don't practice, that I don't do, it's not something I care about, but I'm just saying it just to say it. Somehow it just won't come across to you the way to make you say, I got to grab that. You just won't. But when I'm ministering to you and it's things that I experienced, it's things that I've gone through, oh, it's going to come across to make you say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm getting that because the Lord always what he does when he when he when he calls somebody to go out and 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 reach people. He always take one from among you, one that experienced the things that you experienced. So you you understand when they're speaking, they, there's a connection there. So when you start to speak things that untrue, you didn't experience that doesn't come across in the spirit realm. So if you ever go to someone, so I'm giving you heads up so you don't make yourself look foolish. If you ever go to someone and try to tell them something that you don't believe, that you're not really being honest about, they'll know right away that, hmm. But nothing gets said. We just kind of leave it at that. But somebody walk away and says, yeah, I don't know about all that. They might not walk away and say, you lying to me. But it's going to know something just wasn't. You claim you came to make right, make it right, but it wasn't right. Because rightness begins with the spirit. Rightness starts from within your soul, your heart. You know, rightness is, is, is about, you know, I'm so really broken. that I just want to just make it right. I just want to make sure that, you know, I, I get my point across to let you know how much I'm sorry. That, that's what right does when it's coming from your soul. But if it's something that you're just saying because you heard the preacher talk about it, so you're just going to go through the formality, you can go ahead and do it. But God knows you didn't do it. And remember, he is the one that operates in the background when we go and forgive. Go back to, remember, I always tell you this. Matthew chapter 18, if you go and read throughout that chapter, that's the chapter that talked about where two or more are gathered in my name, there shall I be in the midst of them. That text is talking about offenses and relationship it's not talking about when we come into this building it takes two or three of us to get together before he come in our midst no no i got him inside of me so wherever i go he's with me i don't need you for him to be with me 
So that's not what the scripture is talking about. It's talking about he will do some restoring. He will do some putting back things together when we go to one another to make it right. That's the two or three. So when we get together to try to resolve whatever relationship issues we have, he will get in the midst of it. So if you get with someone and you and them are trying to work it out, God says, I will be right there with you because I'm all about reconciliation in relationship. So if you guys had an offense and the relationship created an imbalance, I'm going to come in the middle of that and I'm going to help to make that right. So there's two or three together. It has nothing to do with his presence. God is present everywhere, all at once. Whether we're here or not, he's here. Never forget that. We don't need to say we're two or more gathering my name. There, shall No, he's, he's everywhere all at once. But when we have issues, offenses have taken place, and we go to make it right through asking for forgiveness, he says, I will show up and I will help get it all straightened out. Retaliation cannot result in balance acceptable to everyone involved for one receiving the recompense of reward believes the reaction of the offended is excessive when compared to the offense. Thus, retaliation usually causes a chain reaction. So when we start to retaliate, chain re oh, 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 that's what you did to me? And so the other person said, oh, I'll fix you. And so now it's, it's all out war. You try to retaliate, the other person retaliating. And it's all out war. So retaliation is never going to fix our offenses or bring anything back into balance. <coughs> Matthew chapter 5 verse 38 says, you have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. <coughs> and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. So, God is letting you know, listen, be good to people. Don't try to retaliate. Back in the day, um, when it says an eye for an eye, what it was really saying is, if you take a cow from me, in order for it to be fair, I got to take a cow from you. It, it was just a way of getting people to understand how you compensate if, if there's an issue there. But Jesus came and says, love your enemy. If he smack you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. All that stuff that you read about, forget about it. I want you to know what to do. And Jesus proved that because when he was arrested by the soldiers, what happened? All right? And, 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 and when Peter whacked the ear off of the guy, Jesus said, what are you doing? Stop it and put the ear back on. So Jesus showed us that even when people come after you, you don't retaliate. Allow God to restore true balance. Avoid making a new imbalance by making your own corrections to the imbalances and 
caused uh, by those who offend you. Another goal for this class is when someone has done you wrong, that you will have no desire to inflict upon them what they have come, what they have come into them. So when somebody do you wrong, you, you shouldn't have in your mind, oh, I, I, I'll take care of it. I'll get to them. We can't do that. We can't inflict. We can't be waiting them out to try to get back at them. It doesn't work. If a man would seek the Lord, they would find him and discover that he gave his human life a sacrifice to provide a way for mankind as a whole and each individual also to return the proper balance with God. His sacrifice, whether men know it or not, has forever removed any possible justification for men blaming God for man's destruction and judgment. I, I want to bring this up to you. When God came to this earth as man, Christ Jesus, and he died, he took care of everything. But here's the big thing he took care of. Nobody will have an excuse if they end up in hell to say anything. Because God, death means whatever is wrong in our life don't have to stay that way. So everyone that can say, well, you don't, we don't have any excuses. This is why we talked about last Sunday, Jesus, our salvation. Everything that was wrong when he came, he says, by me coming and giving my life a sacrifice, everything that's wrong can be made right if you would utilize the principles that I've given you. So if we end up in the wrong place, it's not his fault because he came and went the extra mile for us so we are able to make it right if we want. But a lot of times we just don't make it right. We're able to know God. I'm almost done. Anyone who suffers the second death. Revelation 20, 14, 15. Will blame only himself throughout eternity. But we are able to know God. Obey his gospel and escape the destruction. To come through the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't have to be destroyed. Our love for our brethren, mankind, all together will pave the way to eternal life. Because our love will always lead us to true biblical forgiveness. So remember when we first started reading in First in John, we talk about love. And the deal is, your love should always lead you to go and make it right through forgiveness. Not by restitution, not by retaliation. Your love should make you go and do it right. And so unfortunately, if we don't go and do it right, we're still struggling with that love thing and we need to ask God to help us. Um, easy, I'm finishing up here, easy to spot signs to look for in people who truly claim they know God and they love people. Here are the signs. When you say you know God and you love people, here's something that will emanate from you. A lifestyle of saying yes to God. A lifestyle of saying yes to God. You know, slide this in real quick. I was the only, I guess I was probably the only, the, the, one of the, the real crazy people um, when I was going to church. Because when I listened to the preacher preach, when I listened to my pastor spoke, as I said, I listened to him understanding he's the man of God, 
understanding because I'm listening to him. Whatever I obey, God is going to honor me. I always listen to him like that. And unfortunately, in this day and age, people come in and they say, man, that's just what you think, preacher. I'm not doing that. So I go sometimes now. <coughs> but that just tell me faith is missing. Because I, I obeyed and trusted my pastor, not because he was infallible, but because God was infallible. Had nothing to do with how great he was. Had nothing to do with how much he knew. It had to do with the God that we both serve. He is incredible. He's infallible. He's wonderful. So that's why I listen. And like I tell you, and even if it was something that probably was not quite 100% on cue, God honored me because God knew where I was going with it. So if you live a lifestyle that says yes to God, then you know you know God and you love him. When you love others in deed, not just open your mouth and say you love people, but what you do to prove that you love them, and that's... Uh, then you know that you know God and you love God. Here's a good one. The presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit working in your life. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life and you're responding and obeying the Spirit, then you know that you know God and you love God and love people. And then a lifestyle of saying no to sin. We will never get it perfect where we say no to every sin. But man, oh man, I don't know about you, but whenever I mess up, I beat myself up. Bad. Bad. I'm like, drive myself crazy until I feel like I get it together. It's very important that you say no to sin. We do not have to depend on vague feelings to emulate modern day spiritual claims of our own Christian lives. Just demonstrate forgiveness through the love of God for all people, especially your fellow Christian brethren, and you will experience true love. Any questions? Biblical forgiveness, lesson two. You can't retaliate. Restitution is not an option because you can't restore anything back in order. Only God can do that. Yes, sir. So is restitution a What do you mean, elaborate? Yeah, elaborate. It can be. So, so, so again, you know, some people are manipulative, right? So, so the deal is, you know, Bob offended me. And instead of Bob coming to ask for forgiveness, Bob, you know, invite me over his house, you know, come watch the game with me and hang out. He bought, buy some buffalo wings, you know. Then when I'm leaving, he say, hey, man, here's 20 bucks, man. Keep, you know, hold on to that 20 bucks and good. Next week, Bob see me. You know, he's trying to control me by what he's given me. Instead of just coming to me and says, you know what, I realize I offended you, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? That's all he needed to do. And God get in the middle of that and work it out. But instead of doing that, he'd rather just try to keep on, you know, making it look good. Like he's good. Like he can't do anything wrong. He's just doing it. So, yeah, it could be. <laughs> any, anyone else have any other question regarding biblical forgiveness? I know you have some questions. No questions? No questions, man? No? Yeah, sure. Yes, Sister Crystal. I knew you would have. We, 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 have, we, we, have, we, have, we have a saint that like to ask questions. I like that. Yes, ma'am. 
Uh-huh. Um, it's just as simple as asking for forgiveness. That's to put the relationship back in the balance. Put God in the middle of it. Yes. And, and um, just kind of puts things back on track. It's as simple as yes. that. Yes, there, there's, there's things that's working in the background that we don't realize because God says if you don't forgive, your heavenly father will not forgive you. So there's a lot of things working in the background that we can't understand by just simply going to someone and say, Christian, I've offended you. I'm so sorry. I realize that. Please forgive me. We don't understand how that brings things back in balance. But what we do know is we can't bring things in balance. God does. So when we do the action, then God do what needs to be done within that and make sure things are back in balance. God does it. We don't do it. Yes, sir. Correct. Right. So I can't force the person. No. I can only pray for the person to get to know who God is in order to forgive me. Yep. So that person will be in balance until. How does that? How does that affect me? It doesn't affect you, as long as you really do have a heart that says, "I, you know, I forgive you," or whatever the case may be. Uh, remember, we said the Bible is written for you to know what you're supposed to do. And so if that's what the Bible is written for, then when I read the Bible, I'm reading it for me and what I'm supposed to do. And I have to do what the Bible says I'm supposed to do. I can't control what the next person is supposed to do. Do I want my brother to get reconciled unto God? Yeah, but that's up to him and God. It's like anything else. You know, any of us that get saved, um, it's up to us and the Lord. It's not just the Lord. Cause the Lord wants everybody to be saved, but you have to want to be saved too. So reconciliation is up to us and the Lord. So I can do my part of, you know, you know, go in being, you know, humble and broken, asking for forgiveness. And you might say, get out of my face. <laughs> Nothing I can do about that. I do know that I'm going to walk away with my heart broken because when you say get out my face, I walk away knowing he can't be saved. And anytime you walk away from someone that you know can't be saved, that should break your heart. Because as long as they say get out my face, I'm not talking to you. I'm not forgiving you. You are evil. If they say that to you, they can't be saved. Because your father, your father in heaven says, if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. It's just that simple. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And so because you're unbalanced with God, you have to trust the process that yep. he's going to get in the middle of it eventually. Yep. And he's working and, 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 yeah. And, 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 you know, the, 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 the truth of the matter about some things, some people won't be saved. There are people that God will, will, there are people right now that God's been trying to get to finally let go of things and forgive and they won't. And God is like, are you kidding me? I'm here. I'm, I want to work with you. Let it go. Forgive. I've got great things for you in store, and you're holding on to stuff, and I can't use you to the capacity that I need to use you because you're holding back. You're holding me back. So that's how it works. Yes, Luke. Go ahead. 
I can't hear you. Great question. How do you forgive people who you may never ever see again? And um, again, forgiveness is all about your heart and your relationship with God. Right. So remember, I can go to someone and ask for forgiveness and they might never, ever forgive me. So they're present and I can go to them, but they still might not forgive me. So it's the same kind of deal, whether they're there to receive it or they're not there at all. So the bottom line is you have to truly in your heart forgive. I don't know if you realize when you were getting baptized, you probably forgot because, you know, baptism day is always, you know, a lot going on. But when I pray with you and told you to um, to repent of your sins, I also asked you to say, I forgive anyone that have offended me. Did you, I don't know if you remember that, but I make you pray that prayer. You know why? Because you have to forgive in order for God to answer your prayers. So if if there was someone, you're asking for forgiveness when you're going to get baptized. You're saying, forgive me. Yeah, okay. Clear, you know what you did wrong. But you also have to let go of what anyone has done wrong to you too. So it's a heart thing, Luke. So when you go to God and you say, forgive me, it's in your heart. And you will know just from how you uh, live your life moving forward that you, you have forgiven. So as long as you forgive and you might not ever see them, God understands and God honors that because God knows your heart. This is where people say, God knows my heart. Yes. Yeah. We good? Okay, make it quick. Okay. So I got a, I got a best friend that I uh, grew up with, I grew up with. Uh huh. And um, I haven't spoke to him probably in about anywhere from ten to twelve years. Uh huh. And you know when people start talking, you know he's going to church, he's going to church. He's a Jewish guy, he's going to church. Uh huh. I texted him about three or four months ago. I got the nastiest return text I've ever that I ever got from anybody. Uh huh. Well, here, here is, here is, um, Crystal, again, another, um, how this transpired. Again, if we will always deal with people with a pure heart, a right spirit, humble, that's what let God in to keep working on them. You know, once you do it right, then God will work on their heart. And that's why we're two or more gathering in my name, right? In my name. That means under his banner, under his authority. So we're not just gathered together just to be gathered together. We're coming together according to the word of God to do what the word of God says. And so when your heart is right, your heart is pure, and you, you're humble, and you approach someone to ask for forgiveness, and they blow you off and give you a hard time, the spirit that you went with will cause God to continue to work on them. And it's up to them to respond. And they may respond and call you back and say, you know, I act like a jerk, blah, 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 blah. They may never call you back. But at least, you know, God is working on their behalf to try to save them. But every one of us, it's up to us whether or not we get saved. We got to work with God to get saved. We just don't, he just don't save us and we don't have no responsibility in it. We have our part to play and he does his part. So we have to do it together in order for it to work.
So when someone offends you, it means they're out of balance with God. And so in order for them to come in balance, they're going to have to work that part out. That's the way it works. Yes, Matthew. Two things. So if you did it before you start going to church, when you got baptized, we took care of it. Because you asked for forgiveness from God and you forgave anyone that you know, sinned against you and you didn't hold anything against anyone. So when we get baptized, that, that takes care of everything. If we mess up after we get baptized, then that's going to be done through repentance, through prayer, and through reaching out to that individual if they're available to us. But baptism is the initial thing that um, takes care of everything because you can't get baptized unless you repent of your sins, unless you forgive others their trespasses, what they trespass against you, and you say, forgive me, Lord, for trespassing against them. So our hearts get right when we get baptized, the day we give our life to God. But moving forward, we've got to take care of it um, a different way um, when things go wrong, when we're saved. Good? Yes? Yeah. Let's stand. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're so grateful. Thankful, Lord God, for your goodness. The lamb which was slain before the foundation of the world. Lord God, we thank you for, Lord God, providing the sacrifice even before we went out of balance. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity, Lord God, that we can make things right that we have made wrong. Lord God, it's only because of your goodness you've thought about everything to make us have this opportunity to live righteously, to live in right relationship with you and with our fellow man. Lord, I pray that every word that was spoken here tonight, Lord God, will go into the heart and the mind of each and every one of us. And that, Lord God, we can live it out. Truly, Lord God, this is foundational for our salvation. We don't want it to escape us easily, Lord God, but we want to hold on to it and we want to live it out. Apply it to our life, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will help us, strengthen us, Lord, and help us, Lord God, to become doers of your word and not mere hearers only. Bless us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time. God bless.